He's a living God today. He declared he would be the same today as he was yesterday. And if there is a tomorrow, he'll still be the same. We know there'll be a tomorrow because God's eternal. One day we'll enter into that tomorrow and it'll always be today because it'll never end. What a day that'll be. What a moment in time when we move from time to eternity. I'm waiting for the last minute to come. We don't know how many more years we have to tarry, how much longer we have to wait, but we're going to be faithful right to the end. Somebody's going to be there on that day. It might as well be me. How do you feel about it? Amen. Let us stand faithful. Let's stand true. Let's stand with our hearts ready to meet him. Today, if you have a need in your life, you got something on your heart, maybe a situation, a problem. Maybe your mother, and today, one of your children is straight away from God, and... and uh, you got the real burden on your heart for them. You just reach out toward God. I was in a service here some time ago. We had a young man that was straying away from God. and He was living a wretched, sordid life. And his sister came up in the prayer line on a Wednesday night when we were, the Spirit of God had moved and I had said we'll have a prayer line that night and as we were having that prayer line she came up just a young lady 16 years old said my family's divided my brother's away from God and 
He's doing all kinds of things, living a wrong kind of life. I, I want him back home. I want him to come to the Lord. And we prayed with her in that prayer line before we could finish. That boy got up out of his bed at home, jumped into the car in his pajamas and came to church on, to the altar. God can move that soon, that's certain. Right for your behalf, right for your need. He can answer the prayer of a 16-year-old girl and give her the desire of the heart. He can answer your prayer this morning because God still moves. He's, he's still God. He's God for your situation today. Let's talk to him a moment. Father, as we bow before your throne of grace, what grace, what mercy, what love has been bestowed to us we thank you for this moment, and this is a special moment. And we are privileged, Lord, to be here and be a part of it. Because we're part of the end-time plan and the ushering in of the great King of glory, and we're preparing hearts to meet him. I pray, Lord, that you'll bless us in a special way today. and Let the anointing of your grace be upon us. There are many churches that are represented here, many pastors, many uh, ministers. And Lord, I pray their hearts would be inspired today to press toward the, pro the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. I want to thank you, Lord, for Brother Ed Hammermeister and his faithfulness and standing here strong, Lord, encouraging the saints in difficult times, Lord. We thank you that you always have men that are there that you can use for your glory and honor. And I just pray, Lord, that your people will just bolster him and encourage him and put their shoulder behind him. Lord, as we must press on. And Lord, we are looking to you now and asking for your grace now upon our lives. Father, you know every need and every heart desire. There was hands that was lifted up and said, I need you, Jesus. Come by my way. Lord, I don't know what their need is. But sometimes, Lord, you can even cause me to leave my text and thoughts that I would, would be ministering on just to stop and minister to one person. Father, you stopped for a blind man one day. and You healed him. You'll stop for this need and for that need and another need. Lord, we know your cry can stop the master today. And I pray, Lord, that you'll just minister to your children in a special way. And let your anointing come. I'm just a man, Lord. I, there's not much I can do on my own. And Father, what words I could say would be so feeble. But if you'll just come and anoint us today, we'll speak words of life. We'll speak words that will drive back the evil one. And, Bring victory in lives and hearts. Lord, I pray that you'll do it today. I give myself to you now to serve you. I'm yours, and I just surrender myself. As we read the Word, Lord, that's what I can do humanly. I can read the Scripture because of the ability you gave me. But, Lord, it'll take you to take me on from there, and I'm just looking to you now, Father. As we look to minister today by your inspiration, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.
Turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. We'll read from the ninth verse. Just want to say it's um, a privilege to be here this morning and um, certainly appreciate each one of you. It's so good to come back and meet old friends and make new friends and see the different ones that, um, that have been added to the kingdom of God since I was here last, and it has been some years since I was here. Brother Harold and I um, communicated just um, a week or so before he passed away, and he asked me to come back again. So I'm here a little sooner than what I thought, amen, but we're just really happy to be here this morning and be a part with you uh, and to be here with you, Brother Ed Hammermeister. He's been really gracious host, and we appreciate him very much, his wife, Sister Sandy, and their testimony for for Jesus through the years, we're a privileged people, and we can, we, that we have brothers and sisters along life's journey that we can journey together with. And men like Daniel in the kingdom there might have had to spend some time alone, but we don't. We have one another, and we appreciate one another, and I appreciate you today, and I also thank you for your many prayers on my behalf, and um, you know, as we have faced the difficult things in life's journey, but um, nevertheless, we press on. In Jesus' name, we press on. Amen. Now, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 9, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a, vo- a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest write in the book, and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis, unto Philadelphia, unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. And his, his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet likened to fine brass as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not. I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. Amen. What wonderful words of life. God bless you. You can take your seats. Amen. Well, I'm just looking here. Is there anybody sitting right there? Yeah. So, anyway, I... I hate to look like a screen to you this morning, but I'll try to step around here every once in a while. So, 
you can see. Amen. I, I'm a, you know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and I'm not able to look over some of these screens and things they have in my way. So, yesterday, uh, you know, uh, we had a wonderful MC, uh, Brother Men of Freezing, and my, he's a giant of a man. We were the, we were the long and short of it. If it had been appropriate yesterday, I would have said, you know, things are really, really big in Texas, but we, we in Louisiana don't have minnows that big. <laughs> but anyway, it's, um, it, isn't it wonderful to serve the Lord today and, and to be uh, the saints of God and to be able to be a part of the great kingdom of God? And we wish you ladies happy Mother's Day today uh, already, but... You know, I, I wanted to say that, um, you know, there's, there's going to be a, a day that'll make mother really happy, and that's the day we gather on the other side, and she can look around the table there and see all her loved ones there. As we said yesterday, they will be there, and their offspring's with them. It's a promise. Amen. You say, well, my children are out today. Well, the Bible said our children will be great in the land. We're going to hang on to every promise. We're going to believe for our children. We're, going to, we're not leaving a hoof behind. We're going to that promised land. And so today, as we're talking about this, you know, being this, um, this memorial weekend and speaking about our brother Harold yesterday and our tribute to him, and, and as we just kind of continue the day, and I understand this evening will be more singing and more tributes and things like that. And, uh, but you know, I, I, it makes me think about that great resurrection morning. And it's not a fiction, it's, it's, it's exactly what God promised. And we are on our way back to Eden as a people. But you know, make no mistake about it, although we have received one of the greatest signposts that uh, by the message that God gave us in this day, we that we are near in the land, we haven't arrived yet. You see, the signpost might point us to a city, but the signpost is never the city. So we've had the signs of Noah and the signs of Sodom, and we can certainly see that around us today. And, and we can see that um, the church is in the same condition the Jewish church was 2,000 years ago when they were blinded. And in their blindness, they crucified the Lord, their Messiah. And, uh, and of course, there's a great crucifixion that is going on today where it's not him, the flesh, that is being crucified, but the word that is being rejected. And then we see that Russia is a sign, and we are, we're told to keep our eyes on the king of the north. And now we see the old Russian bear as uh, she gathers up her cubs and, and a uniting of nations so that they can't buy her sell. Can you believe that? You know, we're living, we're living right in the time where things that we have talked about for years is coming to pass driverless taxis in, in Los Angeles and Phoenix and signs in the White House, a woman vice president that was, who was described already many years before is wearing royal purple and a Catholic president again and in our, in our nation. And, 
You know, all of, all of the things that we see are signposts along the way that tells us we are here arriving the end time. And I, sometimes I think we're in overtime. You know, that we, that, um, you know, that we are past due the coming of the Lord. But I just want to encourage you today that we are right here in the middle, in the midst of his coming. This is the hour of his coming, the day of his coming. And I want to tell you, too, that you are the last sign. You know, you are the last sign before the coming groom. A bride prepared to meet the bridegroom. As Brother Branham said in the identification of Christ of all ages, it is God manifested in the flesh, now in the flesh of his bride. For the bride and the husband is the self-same flesh. These two are one. And the church is becoming the bride all the time by believing the word. Isn't that amazing? The church is becoming the bride all the time by believing the word so that the word and the church becomes the same. The word and the church making it the bride. The last sign, God identifying himself, the word in the church. Amen. So you see, as Jesus was the last sign to the Jewish dispensation, which would be the Word made flesh, now once again the Word made flesh in a bride body is the last sign before the rapture of the church. So if you look around you, to, you know, to one another, you are the last sign. It's one of the last signs the world's ever going to see before the translation. Amen. And so there, there have been prophecies and scriptures and, and promises to many people down through the ages. But we have now arrived. We have arrived to the place where the fullness of the word is being made manifest and made flesh in a bright people. What an awesome hour we're living in. As we can hear the prophets saying, there's been churches and churches and brides, brides and churches, churches, but there's got to be come one. Hallelujah. There's got to be one, a real bride. There must come one that's not only got the mechanics, but the dynamics of it. And it makes that church live and move in the power of the resurrection. These are end time signs. And it shows us that we are about to be snatched out of here. You know why? Because it's the eagle age. And we will be caught up. The Bible said caught up. That word is harpazo in the Greek. And it means to be literally snatched away. Amen. You know, the, the eagle is the miracle. It, it comes out from out of heaven and just snatches what it wants away. Amen. One moment is there and the next moment is gone. I say, what an hour we're living in. Now, the last sign, of course, the last anointing is the flying eagle. Did you know he said a flying eagle? He didn't say a sitting duck. A flying eagle. Amen. All the other beasts, you know, are creatures that will crawl up on the earth. Those living creatures, but this one, it, it says exactly a flying eagle. The eagle is the only one that doesn't have to worry about crossing the river. 
flies right over it. Don't you realize who you are as an eagle in this age? You're the people that don't have to worry about death and dying. There's going to be a people raptured out of here. And this is the age, and you have been called and ordained to be in this age and this time. And God has equipped you with wings to rise above the troubles of this world. The eagle is a miracle. Eagle, and if you don't believe in miracles, well, I'll tell you, the resurrection, the body change, the rapture, it'll be nothing short of the miraculous. And this brother Brandon would say, if I can't get the church to even believe for divine healing, how are they ever going to believe for rapture, for the resurrection of the dead, or for the great translation of the saints? Somebody's going to believe. So where is he going to take us to? He's going to take us somewhere because he's got to take us out of this world. And the Bible speaks of a deliverance. Jesus said that we should always pray to escape the things that are coming upon the earth. And he tells us that the end time would come like a trap, a trap that snaps very quickly and closes very quickly upon the earth and will catch many unawares. And he says, for you, he warns you, don't be overcome now with surviving and drunkenness and the cares of this life. Amen. He warns you, don't be bogged down with everything. There's going to be all kinds of distractions. Amen. You know, you know our, our youth and our kids are going to be so in video games and, and so locked in for hours upon hours upon hours. They can't even do their studies and men can't even be husbands to their wives. Maybe I'm taking too much liberty. But the Bible said for you not to be overcome with the stupor and the drunkenness and the cares of this life. And don't be bogged down with everything, but keep your eyes heavenly. Keep your thoughts on what you're really here for. You are here for a purpose, to fulfill a purpose, to be a sign to this last generation. Well, I'm young and I'm a youth. Well, I'll just tell you, I'll just tell you and take away your excuses. I gave my heart to the Lord when I was five. I started preaching this message full-time at 15. I started pastoring and started a church at 17. You don't have any excuse. We young people serve the Lord, don't we? That was my attitude back then. That's my attitude now. Amen. Don't be overcome with surviving and drunkenness. Don't be bogged down. He's going to take us somewhere. Where's he going to take us? Into heaven where there will be a marriage supper in glorified bodies. Think about that. A marriage supper, a great celebration. You say, I'm missing out on life. I'm missing out on a party. Well, I'm going to have one for three and a half years. Hallelujah. A celebration and a party. Worshiping God together and greeting saints and having a reunion and having a... 
blast. Not a dull moment. Having a wonderful time. Bodies that can travel like a thought. Just wait till you see my new home. Can you imagine them already gathered on the other side and they step out of that old decrepit rag that they lived in and body of humiliation and they step around and they look and look at my new clothes. Look at my new clothes. They're not the rags of humanity anymore. They don't have the scars of the past. There's no stain of sin upon them. They never smoked a cigarette. They never had a bad thought. I finally got a body that matches who I really am. Bodies that can travel like a thought, pass through walls and appear and disappear unconfined by physical restraints but at the same time physical enough to eat fish and honeycomb and be felt and touched that's what our glorified bodies are going to be like but we're not staying in heaven for very long just three and a half years while the earth during the tribulation plagues are being poured out You know, we're in the end time, folks. We, we are in where the seventh seal has been released. Yeah, I, I know Brother Branham said that God would not permit it. And for, you know, for some years, uh, it was held back and, and was not released and wasn't given to us. And finally, the board of Branham Tabernacle released the, the original seventh seal and and, and, you know, God would not permit it, you know, at that time. But, you know, it's, it's the end time. It's the end seal. It's the seventh seal, the breaking of the silence, the revealing of the mystery. It's God it's God's starting the end time process by sending a prophet, by starting the end. And you are in the very throes and the cycle of the end time where God is fulfilling every promise of his. Where this, this starts with this and it causes that to end and then it explodes and this causes another and another and another until finally we're raptured and we're taken out of here and we finally, you know, we, we have a, a marriage supper and finally we come back. Do you know, do you know, we don't have just one coming in this, in this time. We have two comings. And this coming, we call the rapture is more of a going away than a coming. But you know, three and a half years later, we're coming back. We are the people of the coming. We are the age of the coming. We are the people of the resurrection. There has never been a people like you. Adoption time. Bride time. Translation time. A people who are fulfilling all the types 
that spoke of a bride is now being manifested in a bride body upon the earth. God's been waiting for thousands of years for you. He's like, no, come the Lord, we waited a long time. He's been waiting thousands of years for this moment, for this marriage, for this wedding, for this uniting. He's been preparing all of heaven for this moment, this time, for your entrance there. Right now, the prayers for his coming are being answered. And part of the answer to his prayers for his coming was God sending a prophet. And the word of Christ, the word coming of Christ, so that the word could take on flesh. You see, God wanted this. And yes, it was to be a message. And yes, it was intended to go into, into writing material, reading material and, 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 and voice and, and tapes and things like that. But God's not coming for tapes and books. God's coming for that word to be made flesh in a people. And that's what God wanted. A bride. A people that would be the expression of him. They would be the express image of Jesus Christ. And right now, the prayers for his coming are being answered. Prayers that could not, could not be made known or could not be fulfilled until this time. Can you imagine the, old, the New Testament would, would finalize with the final prayer and it would say, even so come Lord Jesus. And yet God would, he's got to answer the prayer because he answers all the prayers, but he couldn't answer it then. Right? Amen. But God always answers prayer, so he holds it up. The Bible calls it in, in the Revelation 5, there are vials that are holding the prayers of the saints. And when the seventh seal is revealed and, and opened up and breaketh the silence of the end time and ushering in the coming of the Lord and bringing forth the bride and, the, and starting the end time process, God pours out the prayers. They are mixed. They are mixed with the incense and the sin to God. He said, okay, okay, I'm going to break the seals off the book. I'm going to reveal the seven thunders to a prophet of God. I'm going to make known my voice to the last day, and it's going to call an elect. It's going to be a shout. As I descend, I'm going to descend with a shout. I'm going to send a prophet with a message, and it's going to turn the hearts of the children back to the faith of the Pentecostal fathers. Hallelujah. And it's going to gather elect. Look out to the Jews. Look out at them going back to their homeland. What happened? They were scattered among the nations, had their homes in the nations, Europe and, and England and different other places of uh, Germany and, and Poland and, and all kinds of places. But what happened? God allowed a persecution to come. And with that persecution that came, what did it do? I want to go back home. Where is their home for the Jews? You know, they offered them Uganda. 
We'll give you the country you got. Just don't go back to your homeland. No, no, don't go back to the land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Don't go back there. But you can have Uganda. We'll let you meet there. We'll let you gather there. We'll give that to the Jews. And the world was ready to give them that nation. But there was something in their heart. We want home. I walked through the airport here some time ago and saw a bunch of Jews that were returning to Israel. And there they was, and they're all dressed funny. And, they, you know, they all have these funny, funny ways. To me, they're funny. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not accustomed to them, so they're odd to me. And I'm watching them and their dresses and, and, their, their, and the way that they, uh, their uniforms and so on, their prayer deals and, oh, I don't know, even what to call them, the tassels and so on, the hair. And, and, and I'm looking at that. Man, that's strange. When I got on the plane and I went to Israel, everybody there was that way. That wasn't strange there. That was home. You may go around and you say, well, I kind of feel strange here and I look strange and I don't fit in and, and everything else, but this ain't home. When we get home, when we get home, we won't feel strange, look strange. Hallelujah, we'll be dressed alike, we'll be looking alike. Whether we're from the first age or the last age, it won't matter. We'll all be one people. You know, we thought... When we received the message, the meeting in the air was just moments away. I know I did. You know, I've been around long enough to remember, okay, you know, we had it all figured out. 1977, it's going to wind up it all. You know, it was so dark past that. Brother Branham couldn't see past 1977. It's so dark. And, and so darkness would come, and, and so we would, we had it all figured out, you know, well, 1970, the bride's revival, and my goodness, then three, three and a half years later, we'll be raptured in 73 and a half, and then 73 and a half, we'll start the tribulations, and 77, we'll wind up the world. We had it all figured out. You know what? We were naive to think that because we had received a prophet and a message, that that was all that God had in his plan. We thought because we got the message, that was it. We didn't realize that that word had to become flesh. We didn't realize that word had to produce a people, a bride in his image. And something else I didn't realize at that time, I didn't realize that there was other names on the book that had not yet been manifested on earth. Hallelujah. And God wasn't going to leave one of them unmanifested. So we have had to buy time Hallelujah. For them to come and be manifested upon the earth. 
because their name was in the Lamb's Book of Life too. You know, I was kind of like the older sibling that said, hey, just one or two, daddy and mom, that's all. I don't want none of these younger kids around me. You know, I, we're, we're the family. Just stop with us. But God had more in mind. Aren't you glad he didn't just close it up when the seals were opened by revelation to a prophet? How many of you would have missed it? This God I serve is a great God. Yeah, Brother Tim, Brother Tim, I know you. You know, I've even heard you you preach now 52 years, 52 years of ministry, Brother Tim, and you've been preaching the coming of the Lord for 52 years. Yes, I have. And he's come for many. This this past week he came for Brother Harold. He will come, he could come for you before this service is ended. We got many that are missing here he came for, but he's still coming. And the point of it isn't exactly the day and the hour. It is your preparedness in life now because there is no life like living for Christ. So the message, the message, the message, Brother Tim, and, you know, it, 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 it's this problem and that problem, and, and oh, we, we, we don't agree here, and we don't agree there, and this and that. It's never done nothing to me. It produced happy families, good marriages, good homes, healthy children, divine healing, miracles, salvation. Good citizens, good fathers, good mothers, wonderful churches. Oh, crucify it, Brother Tim. It ought to be crucified. Oh, it was wrong here. It was wrong there. It was this and that. We find fault with it here and there. Crucify it. What has it ever done? But save souls. Turn lives around. Transform sinners into saints. As we think of it, and we look, look toward this blessed coming of the Lord, and, and I just kind of speak a few things from my heart this morning. We know the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. And as I said yesterday, I want to remind the devil, Satan, you're only temporary. Your kingdom is only temporary. You're not eternal. And sin is, is temporary. It will have an end. And one day evil, you are coming to an end. Sickness is temporary. And one day you'll come to an end. Every sickness, every cancer, every disease, everything. But for me and for every child of God, there is no end to a child of God. In fact, we have come from God and we're going back to God. We were in his mind before the world began and we'll be here when everything is burnt over and 
it and transformed and we will live here through the eternity. We are not temporary. You're from the eternals. The baptism of the Holy Ghost doesn't even make you a son. Think about that. It's a great it's a great transforming power, but it doesn't make you a son. It only quickens the eternal seed gene of God within you. And when it comes, it reveals to you your eternity. It tells you who you are and where you come from and where you're going. Hallelujah. That's what the new birth is. It's making you recognize who your father is. You see, the Holy Ghost is the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Father, Father. It makes us realize we're not temporary and we didn't start. And there's no end to us. And nothing the devil can do can bring us to an end. So the Bible said, watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape the things that are coming on the earth and to stand before the Son of Man. You know, it's not going to be a fun time for those who's left behind. It won't. And already we can feel the hot winds of tribulation coming. Already we are seeing pre-tribulation plagues that can shut down economies, shut down the world that can change economies and change your life like that. Take freedoms away like that. There with more and more plagues and viruses coming, economies that are falling, conflicts with Russia and China rising, all kinds of things that are coming on as we feel already the hot winds of tribulation begin as precursor trials and, and tribulations and troubles are already being felt. We are that close. Brother Branham called it oncoming storms of judgment. And we're feeling the hot winds already blowing. What are these winds? What is this strife? What is this trouble? Tribulation's coming. But I got some news for you. The bride won't go through that time. The Bible says not. I'm quoting the prophet now. The church will, but not the bride. Can you see, minister? Can't you see that, brother? The church has to go through the persecution for the persecution of it. But the blood of Jesus Christ perfects the bride. You don't need tribulation to perfect you. Amen. The blood of Jesus Christ perfects you. He said a man who chooses a wife don't put her through a lot of punishment. He's already found grace too with her. She's found grace with him. He engages to her. And if there's anything, he'll keep her from every place to turn her hand. His grace is so great upon them. Favor. God's favor. So great on you. He's not going to leave you here. That's what the message is. Favor. God's favor. I'm going to call the people out for my name's sake. I'm not going to leave them here for the tribulation. 
And he said, his grace is so great upon him. And he said, and so will it be upon the bride. And so is it upon the bride. We unworthy creatures deserving of hell. But his grace holds us through it. Oh, he said, how many sinners was there in the world the hour I got saved? God saved me for a purpose. And I'm determined by his will to do that purpose. I don't care what anything else goes. I want to do it. Think about this. Originally, man lived in Eden. He got separated by sin. He was driven out because sin and sinners cannot live in Eden. They're out of place there. You know, again, a rock and roller is not going to enjoy heaven. A dope addict ain't going to enjoy heaven. Sin and sinners will not enjoy heaven. And they could not live in Eden. Eden was closed off to man because of sin. With cherubim guarding the way back, nobody could come in. You see, Eden was a heaven on earth. It was a paradise. And God would come down and he would fellowship with his offspring. But when sin entered in, man died. He was separated from God and that separated him from Eden. Sin made him where he could no longer live in Eden's paradise. But I got some news for you. God has never given up for human beings to live here on the earth. And earth will someday, some glorious day, be in Eden again. The climax of history will be the creation of a new heavens and a new earth. Not in the sense of a creation like we think of creating out of nothing. But God will take and remake and remold and the old will pass away and become a new creature, creation by the power of the word. Think of this, a resurrected universe inhabited by a resurrected people. Living with the resurrected Jesus. I say, oh, what a happy day. So to do so, God has to have a resurrected people. Not just a resurrection of bleached bones and decayed bodies reclothed again with life. But a resurrected people. A people quickened by the Holy Ghost. A people who are made alive. A people who have broke through the tombs of Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal tombs. And, and here we are, a resurrected people who the angel has rolled away the stone. And I don't know about you, but I'll never go back to that tomb again. Jesus rose to never go back. Like I said, Israel was scattered among the nations. They had homes there. But there was a cry to come back. But God's got another Israel on earth, the spiritual Israel. She was scattered among the denominations. And there, there, it was a holocaust there too, starved souls. Come on. Beat and mistreated and everything else 
with denomination. Brother Branham told us that. He said every time the woman would try to rise up, he said he saw her like, like a mother. And he, he said he thought it was her, his mother, but it didn't look like her. And, and there she was, you know, and she would try to, to rise up. And here a man that looked like a, thought, thought it was his father was, was taking a three-cornered club and, and he was hitting her down. And every time she would try to rise up, he would beat her down again. And he said, that was that old Trinity doctrine that kept the church beat down. And that's what, you know, sometimes you, you hear us talking about denominations, you young people, and you never were in one. You don't know what the slave belt was. You don't know, you don't know the scars and the afflictions that we had there. That's why we don't want any of you going back to that old Holocaust. We don't want you going back to that old bondage again. We know what it was. I mean, we know what it was to be delivered. We know we, can, we, we have the scars upon our back. Where we were beaten with false doctrines. But there was something in our heart. We got to have a homeland. I want to go back to the homeland. I want the homeland of the Bible. I want to go to the land where Peter walked and Paul walked. I want a New Testament church. Hallelujah. I want to see a book of Acts again. I want to continue living where they live. I want to live where Paul lived, where Peter lived, where James and John lived, where Jesus walked. I want to walk. That's my home. That's my land. I want to go back. And he drove us back. That's why this church started out in a little living room and a little humble with a few little women and Brother Harold strumming on the guitar and trying to sing. What was it? What was it? They were driven out of their homes of Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian. There was no place to go and little dimly lit places that they met and whatever. And now God's given us beautiful places and beautiful buildings. But don't ever forget where you come from. Don't ever forget what God did to bring you this freedom. Where the word can be preached. Hallelujah, where it can be preached and power and demonstration, where the word could be manifested and change lives and people filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and liberated from the darkness of sin. Don't forget, he rolled away the stone for you. Now upon this new earth, there will be people who make up his bride, who will be with him in the new Jerusalem. And there will be millions on the outside of the city. Did you hear what I said? I said there will be a people, a bride, that will be with him in the new Jerusalem. And there will be millions of others who will be outside the city. You talk about grace. Sometimes I wonder, do we even know grace? Can we just really fathom what the grace of God is? It was marvelous to me, you know, when we come to the fifth seal and God would open it, open it, the lamb would open it and he would tear off the seal and send it down to his prophet on earth. Things that had been held secret for ages 
now become revealed. Symbols that they guessed about and men probed about and wrote books about and they pondered and nobody could say, it's thus saith the Lord till this day. I want you to know your message did not come from a seminary or a collection of books. Your message was sent by an angel of God who ordained a prophet to this generation. And a prophet is just, he's not just somebody you, you, you just pick and choose what you want to believe. He's a prophet, is a divine interpreter of the Word of God. And he brings a message. Yes, yes, he's human. And in that humanity, in that human vessel, here comes a message from God. And that message is sent to, intended to turn your heart. It's the only message that can turn your heart back to the faith of the apostolic fathers. So there can be a rapture because he started the church like he wanted it. And in the end time, he's going to have a church in that same way. Now he wants the church like he started it. Because he started it the way he wanted it. Now he wants it the way he started it. Amen. So under the fifth seal, when Brother Branham looked, and you know, and, and God would show to the seer of a prophet and see things as God seen it and defined it. He would see Jews there who had been killed down to the ages and even more recently through Hitler and Eichmann and Stalin where they killed six million Jews and there they were as martyrs on the altar and they were crying, how long, O Lord, how long? When will you bring vengeance on the earth? You see, these were not Christians. They were martyred, but not for the cause of Christ, but for the testimony which they held. For as Jews, they held on to the faith of Abraham given to him and his seed. Right? They didn't even have the spirit of forgiveness that Jesus had when he died. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. So you see, they didn't have that grace imparted to them or that spirit of Christ. But they were, they were people that believed and they, they held on to the Old Testament doctrines and truths and, and, and Abraham and the faith of Abraham. But who would have thought that these people would be given white robes People who were blinded because they had not recognized their Messiah. And because of this blindness, they were in this condition. And yet God in his grace and mercy saved them anyhow. How do you know they were saved? He gave them white robes. What good would it do to reward them, give them white robes, and then send them to hell? And he told them to rest, so they're going to rest. Amen. They're not in, they wouldn't be in turmoil or, 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 or purgatory. Rest. Amen. Not be punished. It's grace. And then to blow our minds, God goes around to Revelation chapter 7 between the 6th and the 7th seal. And he, see, he shows us a multitude without number. Unenumerable. So many, we can't count them. And, we have to give this 
infinite number. There's so many of them. And they're not bride. They're foolish virgins. They're men and women who had a sincere profession of faith but never went on to receive the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And yet, they're given life. I say, what grace is that? Amen. We think about grace. Do we really know grace? It's a lot larger than you can ever think. Amen. A lot of times we think, oh, it's just the grace of the bride. It's just the grace. That's just all God had in his mind. No, he had a book of life. But he has another book called the Lamb's Book of Life. And because you were in the Lamb's Book of Life, you had an inheritance in the bride. And you were called. But there's others in the Book of Life that he gives life to. The heaven that comes is not going to be an empty place. Think of this. These had never received the Holy Ghost while they were on the earth. They never drank the fountains of living water. They were led to it. There at the white throne judgment. But in Revelation 7 said that these went through the tri- great tribulation. And what did he say he'd do with them? He'd be so gentle with them. He'll wipe their tears from their eyes. Lead them to life. To life-giving waters. The waters they missed here. You already have fountains of living waters. Born by the baptism of the Holy Ghost just on the inside of you. It bubbles up in eternal life, but these don't have it. But when they're at the end of the ages, there at the white throne, he leads them to living waters. He gives them to eternal life. Life without ending. Because this God is a God of more grace than you can ever imagine. More love, more compassion, more understanding. I think about every sinner. I see them, many of them all tatted up and rings here and rings there and rings there and one in their tongue and here and there. and They get so much stuff on them, makes you sick at your stomach and you don't want them serving you a slice of bread. Just all looks dirty. Do you know why they're dirty like that? They're thirsty. That's a thirsty man or woman. And they don't know where to quench that thirst. And think about it. You've got the water that would satisfy every thirst that would be in their heart. You've got the water that took away the thirst of sin, the thirst of the world, and made you a new creature in Christ, and, and it would quench their thirst. But they're trying with everything of the earth, from drugs and alcohol and tatted themselves up to identify with whatever else and all their rings and everything else for, to, to identify but because they are thirsty. Maybe you're running from God, but I'll tell you, we've got the only thing that is satisfied. Don't keep running. Run to Christ. Come to this life-giving water. Amen. You know, there again, you know, we, we think about his grace. 
Sometimes we think God is all, grace is all about you. But I want you to remember, God so loved the world. God loves the world that he gave his only begotten son. You think of that, a multitude without number. As I said, you think you're the only one with eternal life or to get eternal life, you're not. You think you're the only one going to be in the new heavens and the earth, new earth, you're not. There's going to be millions there. And Brother Branham told us there'll be people make it you never even thought would make it. Amen. There'll even be people there that you didn't even know the testimony of your life. Turn them around in the worst moment. And you know, rather than thinking it's all about us for and no more, we ought to be a little more embracing and say, God save them. I don't care if they barely crawl in. Amen. Maybe if they're not even bride, but they're multitude without number, I don't care how you do it, somehow save them. Whether it's my kids or your friend's mother or a stranger, whether it's a sinner that's so far away from God, God don't never let me get so hard that I don't want nobody else in heaven but me. Oh, yes, there'll be a bride. She's entitled to the new Jerusalem. There'll be those outside the city who come bring their gifts into the city. They don't live in the city. They're not privileged to live there, but they live. (laughs) But they live. So don't give up on your loved ones yet. Don't give up on them. So my grandma, she didn't believe the message, but she did the best she knew. Don't give up on her. Just put her in the hands of Jesus. Surrender them to the hands of God. Amen. Whatever you would say about them, whether one way or the other, won't change their destiny. Amen. So why not just believe? You can put them in the hands of a loving God who cares and understands the failures of humanity, who forgives, who accepts, and who's got more mercy than what you or I could ever imagine. That's the kind of God I can love. A God whose love is so great. Oh, yes. There's definitely a bride, and she's a special set-apart people. And if you're part of her by the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is the only way you can be bride, you are a best blessed person. And I, and I just want to say, while we're talking about that for a moment, and not, not, to be, not, not to be controversial, but the token is not a tape, it's not a sermon. The token is the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and it is a person that transforms your life. Amen. Upon this earth, there will be people who make his bride, they will be with him in this new Jerusalem, millions of them outside the city. The earth will be so enlarged that there will be no more sea. So he, he'll accommodate them all. I just want to say, you don't want to miss it. Heaven is a real place. It's a place for the people of the resurrection. It's, it, you, you don't want to miss it. 
Brother Branham said, I, I can't even describe what heaven is like. The word sublime can't adequately describe it. I, I can't find a word in human language, but he said, you know, but after being there, I can't be the same William Branham anymore. Heaven is a real place. And he talked about this in this sermon, things that are to be, and I quoted it yesterday, but just refresh you. He said that there was something, or understanding that came by the opening of the seven seals. Notice seven seals. And he said, I don't think heaven is like my mother told me about, an eternal church service where people just, everyone died and set up, set up on a harp on the clouds. But he said that was the conception they had before the fullness of the word came into existence or the opening of the seven seals that is promised to us in this age then, that we then understand. But I believe that heaven is a real place just as this is a real place. Then he goes on to say we're going to a real place where we're going to do things. We're going to live. We're going to work. We're going to enjoy. We're, we're going to live. We're going to life, uh, to a real eternal life. We're going to heaven, a paradise, just like Adam and Eve worked and lived and ate and enjoyed in the Garden of Eden before sin came in. We're on our road back there again, right back. And I want to just say, you don't want to miss it. Heaven is a real place. A real place where you'll live, enjoy, work, just like Adam and Eve worked and lived and ate and enjoyed in the Garden of Eden with no curse on the earth, no thorns to have to weed out, no sweat on your brow. This present earth that we live in right now is an in-between world. And it's touched right now by heaven and earth, or heaven and hell, I meant to say. So this present earth is an in-between world touched by both heaven and hell. You see, earth leads directly to heaven or directly to hell. This life here affords you a choice between the two. For the believer, this wretched life is the closest you will ever come to hell. I want that to sink home. Amen. This wretched life, we call it a human life, and this fallen form is the closest you will ever come to hell. And for the sinner, this wretched life is the closest you'll ever get to heaven. Think about it. The best of this life, sinner, is the only taste of heaven you'll ever have. This present earth, before it's renewed and the new Jerusalem come down upon it, is an in-between world. It is touched by both heaven and hell. In this dimension, in this realm, demons come and they inhabit people. They do. Demons are real. They're spirits. They come and inhabit people. They will live. They will come. You know, some, some years ago now, I met one in the prayer line and, and, and at youth camp and she come up, a young girl, hands there, you know, just seemed so innocent, tear coming down her eyes. And the moment I laid 
hands on her, anointed her with oil. She trained, transformed into a raging beast, grotesque and slapping at me and slapping at me. And she couldn't touch me. And growling, I want come out, I want come out, I want come out. But it did. It had to fall to the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' day, a father brought his son to Jesus, and the father lamented. You know, the demon often throws him into the fire. And we see it today. Fire's a divorce. Fires of suicide, fires of alcohol, fires of drugs. I'm surprised to learn how many of our kids are burning with the fires of suicide, which is a horrible act of selfishness where the world caves in on you and you start to self-destruct, where the only person that you can see is yourself, your need and your problem and your things. And you can't even see the effect for years it will have upon others and the destruction you will cause by your own behavior here. And you, how do you think you will be prepared to live in the next dimension, whatever that will be for you? How do you think you are prepared when you can't even be prepared now? You can't reach out for, but here in this moment, this moment, this time, think of it. You can reach out for help to God. But after your last breath, after your last breath here, there's no saving, there's no redemption after death. We have many of our young people now got scars on their hands where they've cut themselves or hurting. They're hurting because of so much inward pain and they hate themselves because of the awful shame and condemnation of sin and they harm themselves, cutting their wrists and their arms. It's horrible. Oh, it don't happen. Yeah, it does. Don't happen in good family. Oh, yes, it does. The devil will come right into your church, into your home. Come and attack your family. You say, well, I got the token here. It's got to be applied to every house. That means every child, every person, every man, woman, boy and girl, every house. Do you hear what I'm saying? Amen. I see them with that because, you know, they, because of condemnation of sin. and, And you think sometimes, oh, there's no hope for me. Yes, there is. Listen, he didn't come to save saints. He came to save sinners. This is why he would go right down to the lowliest of the lowliest. This is why he would receive worship from a prostitute. It doesn't matter what your condition is. He will reach right down to you and come down to your level. He's a God who cares about you. You. I heard a story. It became my story. 
I've heard a story of a little boy who went out and built a, a sailboat. And he spent hours on it working and man making this thing just the way he wanted. It was really a piece of art. He'd take it out and he would, he would sail it up and down along, along the, the shore. And he loved that little sailboat. He had lots of hours with it and admired it and enjoyed it. Had good times with it. One day, a big wind came and it blew it out of his reach. And for days, he went looking for his sailboat. Surely it'll be blowed up on the shore somewhere. Surely it'll come back somehow. One day I'll find it. I'll find it. It's out there somewhere. I've got to find my sailboat. And this was the burden of his heart, you know. One day, he was walking through town and and as he walked through the town, he looked in the picture window at a pawn shop, and there was a sailboat. And it had a big price on it, a huge price. He said, I don't have none of that money. I can't buy that sailboat, but I want it back. It's mine. So he went back home, and he sold all his bicycle, and he sold his radio, and he sold his, 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 his toys, and his this, and that, and the other, and everything he had. He sold everything. He got all his money there, and he got the purchase price, and he went back, and he paid for his sailboat. And he clutched it to his heart, and he walks out the door, and someone heard him say, little sailboat, you are mine. You are mine twice. You were mine when I made you, and now you're mine when I bought you. I want you to think about God. This is what he did. He made you for his pleasure, for his honor. But you see, the wind of Satan blew you away from him, but he looked for you. He came down from heaven for you. He went down to the pawn shop and sold you, saw you in bondage. And he left all of heaven and he sold everything. And he paid the redemption price. And he says, you are mine. And you're mine twice. You were mine when I thought of you in my mind. Before the foundation of the world. And now you're mine again. I purchase you. You're mine. Oh, well, Brother Tim, there's no hope for me. Well, I think about a girl named Deborah who came to the youth camp. And God had so gloriously delivered her from awful sins of the past. She came to camp and she was wearing long sleeves to cover the shame of where she had cut herself. And she wanted to raise her hands and praise God and worship. But when she did... The sleeves would come down and expose those awful scars. And she decided, well, God, I'm going to press through anyway. I'm going to worship this wonderful God that has saved me and cleansed my life. And I don't care who sees my scars, Lord. I'm going to raise my hands to you. And she raised her arms to God, and all her scars disappeared. and you've been wounded. Things have come and disappointments. Yeah. 
But in one moment in his presence, every one of those scars can disappear. You be healed. And be a sign. That's the God I serve. In this earthly realm, there's angels that come. I'm talking about the earth. I talked about one coming for my wife the other day, saying, I certify that she is to be ushered to the other side. Angels have been seen in this realm. Not just now, but through the Bible. All down through the Bible. And they, they have been seen here. What brought us to seven seals? Seven mighty angels come out of that dimension. Threw a sword in his hand and sent him back with a message. Those angels were real. They're not fiction. They're real. Oh, well, Brother Tim, that cloud thing, you know, they, they've disproved that. They haven't. I said they haven't. And they can't. And today they can't answer or give an answer to why. Well, it ain't like you people say, well, I'll just say this. When I was a young boy in Shreveport, Bossier, Louisiana, where I went to Brother Branham's meetings as a young boy, and I was affected by that prophet's life, and in a home meeting, after Brother Branham's death, sometime in about 66, 7, there was a couple that came to my, our home, and they set up chairs, and they arranged them like this all along. It was Edmund and Ruth Way. And they sat there and set up chairs, and it was like this, and Brother Branham was doing that, and and Edmund all of a sudden pitched forward and he was dead and I'm a nurse and I couldn't feel the pulse and he was gone and I cried for him to come, Brother Branham to come. And he come down there and he prayed just a little prayer and said, my husband came back to life and I looked at him as a well man. And then I think when Brother Branham takes the Life magazine and shows it to his church the very first time in Branham Tabernacle is standing in the gap. And he says, you know, here it was, and here it was, and seven angels came to me, and here's a, here's a sign in the, in the heavens, and here's, what, here, here's something that was showed there. Look at this. So I bet it's him, this wasn't true about it, and that wasn't true, and I've got questions here. You're always going to have questions. But I'll just say this about it. It didn't bother God that day. Whatever he said didn't offend the Lord. The God, the God didn't say, hey, it's a liar right here. I'll, I'll. He comes to the end of the service and raises the dead. So whatever you got to say about it, I really don't care until you raise the dead first. But in this realm, angels come. 
They can live. They can walk. They can experience things in this dimension. I'm talking about spirits. There's one particular spirit that comes to us to live in us. It's called the Holy Spirit. It's not fiction. It's real. It's a person. And so this present world is an in-between world and it's touched by both heaven and hell. And earth leads directly to heaven or directly to hell. And so this life affords us a choice between the two. You say, well, but then we were chosen before the foundation of the world. And that is absolutely the truth. But you got to make a choice. You got to choose what he chose. And the truth of it is being a predestinated seed, you can only manifest what you are. And I believe the message because that's who I am. I can do no other. So the best of earth is a glimpse of heaven and the worst of her life is a glimpse of hell. For the Christian, this present life is the closest they will ever come to hell. And for the unbeliever, it's the closest they'll ever come to heaven. And you cannot go on pretending that this world is the only world we'll ever know. Or that we'll ever live in. Because one breath away is another world. My loved one, Brother Tim, my daddy, my, my, my mother is, is, is gone. And, and they're so far away. No, they're not. One breath away. You're that close. You say, well, I can't feel it and I can't see it. That's because man lost the sense to see and they experience heaven and its dimensions because of the fall. And because of this body, this veil of flesh, the see, taste, smell, feel, and hear, you are limited in your vision to see the eternals. But one moment... Out of this body, you will know. If you're an atheist, you'll know there was a God or is a God. That's right. Amen. Won't be no more question, and all your smartness will be gone. Your intelligence will be in the body in the grave, but now you'll be standing there in the realms of another dimension. And for the saints, same way. You'll be standing there, moving, traveling like a thought, moving beyond worlds, moving in just one moment of time. Like Jesus, that day of the resurrection would come and stand with Mary and ascend to the Father and come back in a split second of time, putting his blood upon the altar. So they travel like a thought. The mortal life we live is temporary. So don't go putting on the dog like you're somebody here. I'll tell you what, if you're not born of the power of the Holy Ghost and the resurrected Jesus Christ, you're lost. And you're going to go to hell. That's what's going to happen to you. You're lost. And it's your choice. You can choose life today. Or you can choose death. It's set before you two trees. 
Oh, it's not popular to preach about hell. But let me tell you, yes, this loving God has created a place called hell. And hell has a beginning and hell will have its end. And there's a fire there that won't quench because God's a consuming fire. And there's a worm that won't die because he is the destroyer. Because the soul that sinneth, it will die. There is no such thing as immortal life in hell. God is the only one with, eternal, with immortal life. Paul said in the book of Timothy, he said, when he speaks of the blessed and only potentate, the king of kings and lord of lords, he said, who only hath immortality? So the only ones who can be immortal is God and those he imparts his life to. The devil is not eternal. Hell is not eternal. The sinner who goes there will not be eternal. There's no such thing as immortal life in hell. You'll come to an end. It might be millions of years later, but you'll come to an end. You know, it's your choice. Do you, do you choose life or do you choose death? And I just say to you today, choose life. My goodness, choose life. What, what is better than a Christian life? What is better than a faithful wife or a faithful husband or faithful children? Well, what is better than this life? The world wants to offer you something out there. You can see the results of it. Broken homes and broken families and sinful lives. Brother Branham said at the door to your heart, there's a handle for him for him to, to, for you, to, uh, there's no handle for him to turn on the outside that God cannot open from the outside. He cannot save you against your will. He cannot heal you against your will. He cannot, cannot send a revival against your will. You got to be willing. You got to open the door and you got to invite him in. So you invite him in. Heaven is as I said, it's not an eternal church service where we just sing and shout and absentmindedly worship and shout praises to God forever. Now, that, that may be the job of cherubims, but it's not our job. Heaven is a place of wonderment, of joy, of peace, of hills, of mountains, of valleys and rivers and crystal streams and open fields and wooden vales. Why, Brother Branham would see some of the pristine, untouched mountains of Canada here and tell Brother Biscoe, heaven looks a whole lot like this. With rolling hills and lofty mountains with beautiful fields like bluegrass with indescribable colors. More vivid than any colors you've ever seen. You've never seen colors like heaven. It's a land full of animals, of wildlife. Well, really, nothing's wild because nothing will hurt or destroy in all of my holy mountain. For there the lion will lay down by the lamb and the wolf will be tame and the, gentle, the, the bear will be gentle and cuddly. A place where things you loved here will be there too. 
about description, Bible descriptions of heaven. It has houses, lands. It's a city. It's a country. It's real, for it has foundations. It has streets, trees, real houses with real furniture to resemble things we enjoyed here. What? And I'm not just talking about the millennium to come. I'm talking about the present heaven. I'm talking about where Brother Harold and my wife is right now. When Brother Branham went and he, he, was, he, he had this trance that he went into because he was grieving so much for hope. And God let him have an experience because he was trying to take his life. He had lost the will to live and had tried to take a hold of power line wires and everything else, do things that he should have never been doing. But his grief was driving him. Out of his mind, he'd taken an old pistol and fired it to his brain after reading the Lord's Prayer, and it clicked, wouldn't go off, and he flings it across the room, and bang! And he lays across the bed and said, I can't even kill myself! Laying there, God allowed him an experience. He was out west. He was dressed in Western apparel, had a, maybe a cowboy hat and cowboy clothes and boots on. And he knew he was out west and he was whistling an old song. The wheel of the wagon is broken, the sign on the ranch is for sale. The wheel of the wagon is broken, this must be the end of the trail. And what I'm telling you, is not just one place, because Brother Branham you know, makes different comments, different places, but I'm just taking it all together. And so he says, I was walking along this trail. You know, that song breaks out into a chorus. It says, goodbye, old paint. And, you know, you know everything. it's a cowboy telling his goodbyes. I'm leaving. I'm dying. The ranch is for sale. This life is over. I, I, I'm through. And the wheel of the wagon is broken. Can't go any further. And he looks over there, just to his right or there along the trail is an old covered wagon. And it's laying on his side and the wheel is broken. And Brother Branham looks over that. And his human thinking, he said, you know, that reminds me of my broken family he would say later, and he has different comments about it. But when he in his visions to go west, he would see himself. He said, I saw myself in an old covered wagon. And he said, we were headed to the west, what God had told me to do. And I clicked the reins, and what I did, it turned into a modern-day station wagon. And here he was in his prairie schooner going across and just past the wreck. Just past the wreck. Can't you imagine? The other day, just past that moment when whatever, whatever Brother Hildebrandt was doing at that moment, that, just that moment when he lay so naturally on the floor. We look and we say, how? Just that moment when my wife had laid in a coma for 20 days and hadn't twitched a muscle. And they 
wouldn't let me in to stay with her at night. COVID rules were going on. I could see her during the day, and I had to leave at 7 at night. They called me Mr. Pruitt. We got to tell you, your wife was on the floor. I said, wait a minute, were the bed rails up? Yes, they're all up except the one on the end that we have to leave down because of the law. But they were all up. I said, how did she get there? I don't know. We're still trying to wrap our minds around it. I got off the phone. I called him back, and I said, wait a minute. I've got to talk to you some more. Is she talking? No. Is her eyes open? No. Is any broke thing broken? No. I said, how did you find her? So, well, she had to scoot down to the end of the bed, put her feet on the floor, and go in somewhere, and just laid over. In just a few hours, she would be gone. She was reaching for that other dimension. She was seeing things that these eyes can't see. When her daddy was crossing over, he was a great man of God, and I love Brother Butts with all my heart. He stood with me through the years. And there when he was dying, in his last hours, they called me to his bedside, come see, come see Papa. I said, he's, he's, he's dying. He was my father-in-law. He's my, he's, something's happening. We're scared he's going. What, uh, you know, come, come talk to him. He said, I said, what's he doing? He said, he's sitting up in his bed, and he's looking out there somewhere, and he, he's hollering, woo-hoo! So I go to his bedside, and I said, Papa, I said, uh, send everybody out of the room. I said, I just want to talk to you a minute. I said, well, what are you seeing? I said, well, I'm seeing my brother and my sister who has served the Lord, and they're right over there. I said, what are they saying to you? They're saying, come on over here. And I heard their answer, and I'm answering back, woohoo, I'm here, I'm coming. You can say, well, that's just dementia. That's just, you can say whatever you want. That was just a decaying brain. As his life was going out, here he's moving into another realm. That is more real than this one. The wheel of the wagon is broken. Must be the end of the trail. The wind of the wheel of the wagon is broken. And he walks past the wreck. The symbol, the symbolic thing in the vision of his wreck. He walks past it and there's a young girl standing there. Hello, daddy. You talk about Mother's Day. What's it going to be that day, Mother? (laughs) You talk about Father's Day. What day is that going to be? You talk about wonderful moments. Daddy. (laughs) You called me Daddy? Yeah. On earth, I was your little Sharon Rose. Oh, no. Sharon Rose died a baby. You're a grown woman. You're as old as I am. Oh, but you don't know where you're at. You're in heaven. And in heaven, we're not babies. You see, everybody has reached their full potential. If you're deformed there, you're not deformed there. 
If you're deformed here, you're not deformed there. If you were weak and feeble, you're not that way there. If you were a baby or adolescent, you're not that way. You're in perfection. Daddy, well, you sure grew up to be a beautiful girl, Sharon Rose. My. Ah. Where's hope? This isn't familiar. I want to see somebody familiar. Where's hope? Well, she's she's right up there at your new home. Oh. We're Branhams. I I live in a one, two-room shack, and we, we tote water back and forth. You know, he didn't even have, they didn't even have a house of their own until a lady here in Canada, you know, one of the blessed woman preachers here, Pentecostal lady, felt sorry hearing about how Brother Brand, the Brandons lived and bought and took up an offering to give to him to build a house. And he didn't want to take it. And they said, well, we can't give it all back, so go, go build that house. They didn't even have indoor plumbing, didn't own a place. He walks in. He walks up there. His parting words to Sharon was, I'm going to go up and see your mother. She said, well, I'm going to wait here for Billy Paul. You see, if you're going by the way of the grave... They are there knowing you're coming, waiting for you. But if you're going to be alive and remain, they come here, and we meet them here. So if we're here, if we're here, we, we, the theophany comes to unite with the mortal body. And if they're in theophany, they come here for the resurrected body to be glorified. And do you know they're waiting on us? Do you know they they say, I know that, and we're going back. They're excited. They're coming back. They're as excited about the rapture as you are, maybe more excited. They can't wait for that moment. It's been promised. It's been promised through the messengers down to the ages. And it's going to come to pass to people in the last day. Well, I'll go up to my new home then. We're vagabonds. We never had one. This is incredible. I do. Is there a home? I'm sorry. I'm paraphrasing. It becomes my story. You know, this is my message. So, did you get it from God? Yeah, through a prophet. So, it's my message. These are my stories. This is my faith. Come on, isn't David and Goliath your story? Isn't Abraham and Sarah your story? These are my stories. This is my message. It's more than Brother Branham's message. It's your message. It's yours to live. It's yours to eat. It's yours to digest. It's yours to image, to walk into. Presenting to you a perfect 
person changed, transformed, and you walk with God like Enoch did until you're translated. A new home. He walks up. Oh, the glories of God are coming down and such a peace. And he walks up and hope runs out of that new home and embraces him. Oh, she's not emaciated from the disease. She's not hollow-faced and hollow-eyed, skin that just like a skeleton on her body like when he, she left. She's young. Hope, you're healthy. You're well here. It's hope. She embraces him. Puts her arms around him. Oh, Bill. Oh, Bill, you finally come home. You come home after all of those years of praying for the sick people. You see, Brother Branham had entered into where there is no time, but he still had time to fulfill on the earth. So now, you know, now he's advanced many years because when Sharon Rose talks about him and says to him, said, uh, wait a minute, we are, we are, we are not babies here. We're, we're grown up here. And said, remember, it's how you preached that. And he had not even preached it yet. Because in eternity, there's no yesterday or tomorrow. It's all the same. That's why God isn't in no hurry. There's no such thing as time with God. It don't mean anything to him. Well, what if it goes on another 100 years? It ain't going to bother God, none. So he gets there embracing her, feeling her, and he can feel her. There he's feeling her there, talking to her, holding her for a moment, looking at how healthy and well she is. And Oh, honey, I, I'm so glad you come now. After, you know, you're so, you're, you're so tired, and, you, and you, you come home to rest now after praying for all those sick people. And Brother Branham, he tries to wrap his mind around it later, and he says these words. He said, now, now that's, that's why I think one of these days I'll die right here in the pulpit because, you know, I almost died the other night. I prayed so many people. It was like the life was leaving me. But he didn't. He would die after that. That wagon, passing that wagon just around the curve, walking right down and see Sharon Rose and now come. He walk. She said, come into our new home. Oh, honey, we don't have homes. We're Branhams. Oh, you got a home here, Billy. Come on into your home. He looks over there, and there's something that resembles something that he had on earth. But it wasn't man-made. It was an old Morris chair, they called it. It was a comfortable chair that he'd bought on time and trying to buy it and having a place to come home after he worked so hard and everything. And, and he'd come home and he'd get his Bible and sit there to rest and study for a message and, and, and everything. And, and, he, and he, here he, he's, 
he looks over there at this Morris chair and she says, I know what you're thinking. You see, because there we don't have to wonder what everybody else is thinking. Because our thoughts, we were told, are louder in heaven than our words on earth. I know what you're thinking, but they'll never take this one away. Because the loan company had come and got what they had. And she tried to make it up with a cherry pie and worms for fishing. And he, because she was trying to put it off as long as she could that they couldn't make the payment. But now, this is paid for. They'll never take this one away. You see, heaven is a wonderful place. You don't miss it. It's worth every effort. It's worth every trial that you go through, every problem that you have, and I'm over time. And I'm sorry to say I'm over time, but it just means something to me to think we're going to live upon a resurrected earth with a resurrected universe inhabited by resurrected people living with a resurrected Jesus. And I didn't want to say to you today, choose life. Oh, you have your little fusses and your little quarrels. and yeah. Dear God, we get so caught up with us and ourselves and what we want and whatever else. And well, we'll even use ourselves to split a church. Don't you know one day you'll give an account to God for that? I don't want to get in trouble here. But I was here with you when you went through the split there and some left and you know, you couldn't pay for this lovely building and it thwarted the, it, it cut down the mission work and everything else, you know, where you couldn't have the outreach that you once did. Brother Harold Hildebrandt, you know, did. And, and because people, they didn't like this or this didn't happen and it can happen all over again. Don't let that happen. Don't let spirits get in the way. Don't let flesh get in the way. Don't let it hamper a work of God. Don't let it hinder the church. Could you imagine standing there on that day? And the scenes are played back at the rewards that I think will happen at the marriage supper, at that banquet, as rewards are passed, to, passed out. And you realize you used your gift to split the church. And when it does, it causes harm in the body. The church is a pregnant woman. She has babies. She's carrying children. It's Mother's Day. She is a bearer of children. All of us are not born again by the Holy Ghost and have breathed the breath of life yet. There's some of us that are justified and some of us are sanctified and Hello. And we're sitting in these pews. And, and, and some of us are, some are still in the womb. They had not breathed the breath of life yet. They had not been born. I, 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 I'm, I'm not talking fiction. You find this in question and answers 59. Brother Brandon said the church is pregnant. And you have to protect her from the hard bruises of Satan. Because Satan will come to bruise the church. Now, if you've been born again, got the life of God, he can never kill you. He can never take your life. But if they are 
are still in the womb, you can abort the baby. And it's the babies we lose. It's the young. It's the immature. It's people that didn't go all the way. And our behavior can cause a church to bitterly fail. Watch your tongue. Watch your actions. Pray always. Don't let the devil slip in one place. Stay together as a body of Christ. Act like believers. We are not Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterian. Well, they split their church over a sidewalk. Baptists, Presbyterian, that's not us. We don't split things on. We got a word and we're rallying around the word. Let the word reunite you. Let it be your heart, your drive, your purpose. Maybe some things don't go your way. There's a lot of things don't go my way. But we do things for the cause of Christ. For his cause. Because he's got a purpose. He's got a plan. And we're right here on the throes of the rapture. Today, we are the people of the resurrection. We are the people of the change. We are the people of the translation. We are the people of the rapture. We are the people of the book. We are the people of the inheritance. We are the people of God. We are his bride. We are his body. Let's surrender ourselves to work as the children of God for a purpose to the kingdom of God. And let's find our place in the body. And let's do everything we can to help everyone make it. Because I don't want to miss it. Do you? With all our hearts then, let's just pledge. God help me to make it. Will you stand with me? What about you today? Let the musicians come, Jess. Could you just say, God, help me to lay aside my, my ways, my ambitions, my desires, my human being, my human ways, and let me serve you with all of my heart. I stood at the grave of Brother Branham's here some, oh, 30, 40 years ago with a, with a group of young people from my church. We stood around Brother Branham's graves, and I just said, brothers, I want y'all to know there, here lays a man of God. And he preached a message. And I said, somebody's going to believe it. And I said, it might as well be me. I'm going to believe it. Whether anybody else believes it or not, I'm going to believe this message. Well, we can cast doubt. I don't have a moment's time for your doubts. My doubts were settled at Calvary. I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. And though all hail assail me, I will not be moved.
Bow your heads with me for a moment. Are you on that in that solid rock this morning? Does it feel like quicksand? Is it shifting sands and you're pulled this way and that way? Young person, what about your life? Is it settled on Christ? You really know him? The Bible said in that day you will know that I'm in the Father and I and you and you and me. The Holy Ghost is something you can know. Have you made a full surrender? Have you given him the preeminence? Once he gets the preeminence of the church, he gets them all filled with the Holy Ghost. He's going to take them back to Eden. Oh, Brother Tim, we got such a, we got a, such a perfect message, a perfect word, but what about you? Are you reflecting what you've seen? Are you viewing into it as into a glass darkly and you're changed from glory to glory? What about you today? Can you let it change you in his presence? Can you say, God, I need you today? Can you say, Lord, I need to kind of clench up the armor a little tighter. I've got this battle that I'm in. I've got this. Oh, come on. Porn shouldn't rule over church of God and over our young people. Them devils don't have no rule over you. A little girl in the prayer line I talked about, when I talked to her, I said, where did that come in? It was never I did something physically, but through the eye. She looked at porn and a demon took her. I said, Brother Tim, will you cast it out of me? I can right now this moment. It don't take yelling and screaming. It takes one moment of surrender to God. And that demon of hell has to leave you. Spirit of lust, the spirit of hatred, the spirit of unforgiveness. Whatever spirit is, it's got to go in the name of Jesus Christ. How many would say this morning, there's, there's something there that's been casting me into the fires of trouble. And today, I need a deliverance in my life. I want to reach out to God. I want to reach out to him right now. And you just reach your hand toward him. And as I pray right now, God's going to deliver you. You know why he's going to deliver you? Not because of who I am, but because of who he is. And because his word never fails. And I've seen it that in his name, I will cast out devils. I've seen them have to bow to the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I can tell you right now, story after story. I can tell you of a woman who came to me, ran off with another man. And after I told her, you done married five times, you can't marry another. And she just come into church. I said, you can't do that. She went running off again. Her boy ran out the door. Mommy, you'll go to hell for this. Mommy, you'll go to hell. She got under conviction, came back and said, Brother Tim, I need deliverance. I said, are you home? Yes. Is there anybody there? Yes. My married son and daughter-in-law are here. I said, I can't come there by myself unless somebody's there. 
They were unbelievers, and I set them in a chair and caused them to face the wall. And I said, because I want to just deal with you. And I, and I began to speak to her. And I called on the name of Jesus Christ. She was a Pentecostal girl, and she began to speak in other tongues. I stood there for a minute, and I thought, speaking in tongues, this is odd. And I'm casting out devils. And he came to me. I said, Satan, all these years as a Pentecostal, she'd go out and sin and get another man, come back to church and speak in tongues and think it was okay. I said, but Satan, you can't hide this time. In the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And when I did, she bowed seven times before me as the spirit of the, the, the devil fell before the the power of God, and she collapsed on the floor. Is that what she delivered? She never lived that kind of life again. Just here the other day, I buried her, a saint of God. God can do the same for you. There's power in the name of Jesus, and it'll break every chain, every chain of darkness off of your life. I can just get your faith to rise to the level of promise. That's why I'm talking to you a moment. God still lives. God still moves. God still heals. God still delivers. Right now again, won't you reach your hand to God and say, Lord, I need a deliverance in my life. It may be a sickness. It may be a problem. It may be a spirit of forgiveness. It may be a spirit of porn, of, of lust. I don't care what it is. Give it whatever name. It's all the devil. And it's got to leave in the name of Jesus Christ. And I say, Satan, you have tormented the church of the living God, but your bluff has been called and you've been exposed and the blood of Jesus Christ is against you. And I command you to leave them now in the name of Jesus as they submit themselves to God that they can receive the blessings of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Do you believe it? Then raise your hands to him and say, thank you, Lord, it's gone. Thank you, Lord, I have victory over it. Thank you that the power of my Christ has risen over all the power of the enemy. And I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. I accept it right now in the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. been made more than conquerors we've been made more than conquerors overcomers in this I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. 
We don't want to live our lives in the past. Neither do we want to live our lives in the future. But we want to live our lives right now. Because that resurrection life is in us right now. And it's moving right now. The God of William Branham, the pillar of fire that appeared, is the God that is here right now. We had, on the day that Brother Harold passed away, we had a make some quick adjustments in our service. And I called Brother Andrew and I said, I'll have to go to the Hildebrandts. We're going to play a tape. I had earlier been studying and I said, let's just play this tape. Make the, you're going to make the announcement and we're going to play this tape. And it's from thy house. And Brother Branham, this was the concluding part of the tape we played. We played about 40 minutes. The Holy Spirit that's in me now will see to it that I have a young, immortal body and never go with. He says, the Holy Spirit that's in you now will see that the gray hairs will fade away and whatever it is. If you're old and you got whiskers, that don't make a difference. That same Holy Spirit, it will snap it right back at that day. That spirit that's in you right now, that one that's in you right now, the God that's in you right now, he will raise. Now he says, you can raise yourself up. He says, you can't do it. Why? Because there's a scripture holding you. You've got to wait until the rapture. There you are. You stay right there. You're not allowed to get this high. Why? We'd build a private world. We'd go over there. But then there'd be no one left to the coming of the Lord. But there's a group of people that's waiting for the coming of the Lord. And there's an amazing quote in the Holy Ghost series where Brother Branham says, and he'll, he'll share the quote and he'll, he'll talk about it. He says, but the same Holy Spirit that saved the Lutherans, that sanctified the Methodists, that baptized the Pentecost is now setting in order, setting in order the coming of the Lord. It'll be so powerful. It'll come into this group of the church. It'll draw the rest of them to the grave. There will be a resurrection. That's what the Holy Ghost is for. Friends, there's a, that, that, the scenes that Brother Tim would describe. The, the scenes of heaven. The mountains or the plains or whatever you identify. That, that's a great drawing. But there's a greater drawing. The drawing we have with one another. With our loved ones. There's a great connection. I'll tell you what, there's a pull. It's getting greater with everyone that passes over. It's getting greater. We are that people. We are the resurrection. It's going to happen. It's a call. It's deeper. It's deeper than just being a part of a church. It's deeper. i got to go back home. Oh, my. I, I trust you feel that this morning. Well, I, there's... I, we really can't add much to what was said. It was said well. And we thank you, Brother Tim. God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to sing a chorus. We were talking yesterday. Brother, Brother Chris, thank you for helping. I, mentioned, I failed to mention, I started to mention some people, I didn't mention others.
Brother Blair, Sister Rebecca, nice to see you. And Brother Lance, Sister Judy, others. If I just say, if I didn't mention your name, please, I'm, I'm not trying to. But we were talking with Brother Chris Moritz. He, he's a grandson of Brother Willie Retief, really Retief, who just passed away. Was it over a year ago? Great man of God. We have others that we look to, that we've connected with. It's not a natural succession. And there's a pull. There's a pull that we have to get back to that other side. And, and they, they're, as Brother Tim so apt, they're looking for us. There's a call. I, I just want to sing, the holy hills are calling. I'm going to just, just sing that. And, and then, Brother Chris, I'm going to ask you to come and close in prayer for us today. Thank you. 